So this morning, we, it's the week after Easter. Feels like the week after Easter. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. Okay, Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. Acts chapter 4, 32 through 37. You can follow along on the screen behind me or on the screen in front of you. Um, or if you've got it, follow along that way too. Yes, faith. Bring it. Acts 4, 32 through 37. Uh, before we read, let's pray. God, oh, so good. So good to gather together here in this place. Oh, to worship you, to give our lives back to you. It's so good. So good to, to see each other. It's so good to connect. It's so good. So good. So we open up your, your word this morning, and uh, we trust that it too will be so good. And we ask that you would speak a word to us. We ask that our hearts would be open, and that you would do something, that you would make us new. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Acts 4. 32 through 37. It's the week after Easter, and this is what we look at. All the believers were in one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, who was called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field owned, he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. We'll go that far. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So it's the week after Easter. It's the week after we celebrate the most decisive moment in the history of the universe. Aside from its beginning, in the beginning God said, let there be light, and God kept speaking, and the universe was born. So it's the week after we celebrate the most decisive moment in the history of the universe after that one, God raising Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. So here we are. It's the week after we celebrate God's most awesome display of power ever, Right? Freeing Jesus from the clenched fist of the tomb. The dead man lives. The tomb is empty. Death dies. It has no sting no more. And on this Sunday, after Easter, this uninspiring little story is the story the church chooses to look at and talk about. <laughs> I think it's funny. So this is part of the lectionary. This is the week after Easter. This is the story that the church chooses to talk about and live into. Right? Today is known as Low Sunday. Have you heard this before? Has anyone heard about this Sunday being Low Sunday? No? 
This is low Sunday. It feels different in here this week compared to last week, doesn't it? Right? It's low because it's the Sunday after the high of Easter morning. Like, how can you top Easter? How can you do that? No matter what you do on this Sunday, it's going to feel low compared to last week, right? It's sort of a bit of a letdown. That's okay. I don't blame anybody. It's just reality. It's the way things are. So let's just acknowledge it, right? And maybe this story doesn't help matters much because it's a small little story. It's just a few sentences that make up a couple of really short paragraphs. But if you think about it, it's a happy little story about a happy group of people who are in one heart and mind, happily sharing all their stuff with one another. Well, I'm going to suggest that it, it, it may seem short and it may seem uninspiring, but I think that if we're, I think if we're truly willing to live into this little story, just for a few moments this morning. I think this happy little story about a happy little band of Jesus people happily sharing all their stuff with one another, it might just transform some of us. It might just transform all of us together. It could happen, you know. Like we could walk out of this building a different place. We could turn off our screens and find ourselves different people. So what are your expectations when you come here? Do you expect that? Do you expect to become different? Do you expect to to be transformed in some way by the presence of the divine? Do you expect to be different? Do you expect to hear something and go, oh, I got to do things differently. My life now is fundamentally new, different. What are your expectations? Maybe that'll happen. Who knows? So let's live into this little story for a moment. Uh, Here's the deal. The situation for the early followers of Jesus wasn't great. (laughs) Not, not really, right? In fact, you could call it and think of it as scary, dangerous. You could think of it as life-threatening because it really, it was. They were living life on the edge. These people were living life on the margins or even worse, right? You would think that after Jesus rose from the dead, he rose from the dead, you would think that his closest followers would have life pretty good, right? I mean, Jesus won. He won the victory. But life wasn't good. Life was really tough, really hard. In fact, if you read through the history of the earliest followers of Jesus, which is the book of Acts, which we just read a few moments ago, if you read through the book of Acts, it reads more like a more like a, a law enforcement report from some of the toughest neighborhoods anywhere in the world. Just before this little story is the story of Peter and John getting arrested and brought before the court. All the other leaders of the church, right? They spend time in and out of jail. They're beaten. They're flogged. They're giving a restraining order. No preaching allowed. Zip it. No Jesus talking. No talking about Jesus. Somebody put a hit out on Paul. He's got a death bounty on his head. James actually loses his head, dies a martyr. And that's just the first 12 chapters of this book of Acts. It's just the first 12 chapters out of 28 chapters. All of that happens, right? That's pretty hard. So even though Jesus is raised by God from death to life, life for these earliest followers is really hard. How do we connect to that? Because our lives aren't like that. Like, 
we're not experiencing any of that. Our lives are a lot different than their lives. I mean, we're not getting arrested for what we believe. No one is threatening violence or death because of our faith. But not any of us, none of us, are being driven out of town because we live in a free speech, practice whatever religion you want culture. By and large, none of us are being persecuted. No Christians are being persecuted, at least hardly at all in this culture that we live in, despite what some Christians will tell you. But I will say this, we do have some hard things happening. We do have some strange things happening in our culture that make it a little bit difficult for us to follow Jesus. Think about it. We live in a culture of hyper-individualism where we're encouraged to live life for ourselves and only ourselves. We base almost every decision we make on how it will affect only our own lives, and we're encouraged to do so. That's what we've been told to do. And if someone disagrees with us about the decisions we've made, well, then they're out. Bye. We live in a world where division has become a way of life. We live in a culture where consumerism is king, right? We're taught that if we work hard enough, we can make enough money, and then we'll be able to fill our lives with more stuff, and that that is the highest good. That is the thing that will make us happy, truly happy. Of course, there are other things that make it difficult to follow Jesus too, right? Difficult things that happen to us. We lose our jobs. Relationships turn ugly. Sometimes they go bad, really bad. We get sick. Loved ones get sick. Tragic things happen to those we know and love, sometimes inexplicably so. Right? And these things are hard. They're hard to understand. They raise all sorts of questions about whose side is God on anyway? Right? So when things are like that, when times are rough, I think, I think there are a couple of options for us, okay? So the first thing we could do is we could sort of shrink back and live in a bunker-like mentality and we can live out of fear, right? Or the second option, I think, like these earliest followers of Jesus, is we can sort of band together, come together, and move forward in confidence. Because good things happen when things are rough. Good things can come out of hard times. Like we can refocus our energy on what matters most in life. We can shed things that are irrelevant to our well-being. We can pay attention to community. A whole bunch of other things can come out of hard times, right? We know this. We've experienced this. We've just lived through a year or more of pandemic, and there have been some good things that have come out of this thing. So there can be good things that come out. Okay, so here's this guy named Randy Frazee. He wrote a book about almost a decade ago, about seven, eight years ago, called The Connecting Church. And uh, in it, he says that the church, especially in America, uh, it's the, this is the whole thesis of the book, uh, needs to re- the whole church in America needs to, to recapture three things that will really help us live and thrive and be who God's called us to be. So we're going to talk about them this morning because I love them so much. It's really good stuff, and you'll see how they connect really well with what we just read a little bit ago. So here are the three things we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about. He says, the church in America really needs to to recapture a sense of common purpose, right? Replacing individualism with shared biblical values. Oh, I love that. We're all in this together, doing the same thing. 
And here are the values that back that up. Second thing is a common place. Replacing isolation. Oh my goodness, how isolated have we been over the last year? So replacing isolation with a focus on community. We're coming out of this thing. We can get back to that. A common possessions, common purpose, common place, common possessions. Replacing consumerism with voluntary resource interdependence. Isn't that great? So we're going to talk about those three things. First, a common purpose. You'll find this in verse 32. All the believers were in one heart and mind. That totally describes the church today, doesn't it? That's sarcasm. Common purpose. (laughs) All the believers were in one heart and mind. So good. You know, Jesus knew that times were going to be hard. So before he... He knew that life for his followers is going to be difficult. And so he decided before he ascended into heaven that he was going to give them a common purpose. In fact, he was going to make sure that this common purpose was absolutely clear. And so he said this, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Common purpose. He said, you will be my witnesses. Not in the sense that they should just tell people about Jesus his life, death, and resurrection, not in that sense, but witnesses in the sense that his followers would live as he lived, that they would give as he gave, that they would love as he loved, forgive as he forgave, heal as he healed, teach as he taught, and it goes on and on, that they be his witnesses in the sense that they would become little Jesuses. They would be his witnesses in the sense that together, They would be his presence in the world through the power of the Spirit. And these people were governed by a purpose, a higher calling to be a part of something bigger, much bigger than just themselves. A common purpose. We have one of those, you know. A common purpose. Like, as a local church, we have a common purpose. And we're going to say it together in a minute. First, I'm going to give it to you, and then I'd like us to say it together, because I want, us to, I want us to realize what it is, okay? So we've said that this is our common purpose. We are Renew Community, following Jesus to renew lives that renew the world. Got it? Even if you're at home, I want you to say it too, right? So say it with me. We are Renew Community. Following Jesus to renew lives that renew the world. Nice. I did that really well. I'm impressed, right? So no matter what the conditions, if it's really hard or it's fine when things are going well, if we hold on tightly to that, it gives us something to aim at. It gives us something to shoot for, right? It it's, reminds us who we are on a very basic DNA level. We are Renew community, following Jesus to renew lives that renew the world, right? And maybe just as important as that are the values we share, the values we hold that help us to sort of live that out, live that common purpose out. 
So we're going to talk about those just for a minute. And we've decided that we don't talk about these enough, that we need to talk about these more, right? Because these things are really important for us because they allow us, again, to live out our common purpose, right? So get ready. I'm going to throw a lot at you real quick, okay? So the first one is this, self-giving service. This is a value that we hold. We are here to serve the greater city of Ames and beyond to work for the things of justice, okay? It's a big word. And if we get really good at it, I'm going to warn you right now, if we get really good at this and we start doing amazing work, people might call us social justice warriors. And I'm here to tell you that's okay. Like, we can wear that as a badge. Because here's the deal. If, if, you're not familiar, if you're not familiar with this book, then you're not familiar with the idea that the whole thing is about justice. The whole thing is about justice. The whole thing is about God putting things back together again. This whole book is about God making things right again. This whole book is about God making sure that every individual and every community, especially those who don't have what they need, who've been marginalized, This book is about God making sure that all people have exactly everything they need in order to live good, flourishing, fruit-bearing lives. Are you with me? And if that's what God is up to in the world, well, that's what we're up to too. Self-giving service. Here's the second one. Unconditional acceptance. Here's the deal. The church has a history and loves to make sure that people believe the right things, and behave the right way before they can belong to a community like this one. Enough of that already. Just enough of that already. If anyone wants to explore spiritual things, if anyone wants to explore the way of Jesus, they're welcome here. Period. You're welcome. You don't have to check any boxes before you come here, before you actually belong here, no boxes need to be checked. Just come on in. You are welcome here. This is a value we have because this is a value that Jesus had. Just read the stories about him in the Bible. Unconditional acceptance. Here's the next one, empowering leadership. Right? This one means that the people who are in leadership positions in various ministries, they're not the ones who do all the work, but they're the ones who empower the rest of us to do the work of the church. Because every single one of us has gifts and abilities that we have to contribute to the, for the building up of the body. And it's the leaders of the church that make sure everybody else has an opportunity to pitch in, to help, to become who God has called them to be in this place. Here's the last one, unending worship. Worship means to bow down, literally, to give your life back to God. That means that everything we do here in this place, everything we do out there, outside these walls, whether individually or collectively as a community, we do it for the one who made us. It isn't about us. So these are the kinds of things that allow us to live out our common purpose. They were all gathered together, and they were all in one heart and one mind. Renew community. Following Jesus to renew lives that renew the world. We don't gather here for ourselves. We're not doing this thing for ourselves. We're here to be a part of something much, much bigger than just ourselves.
Let's move on. So, a common place. So, the world of the early church was a whole lot different uh, than it is for us today. People literally lived on top of each other. Their common places were their neighborhoods and their homes. They'd see each other every day. In Acts chapter 2, it says they gathered together for worship every day. Their common places helped them guard against things like isolation and fragmentation. But we, we live in a whole different world, man. Like, we have no common places anymore. Not really. We all have our own little homes and our own little cars. We all have technology. We have smartphones and Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram and email and text and Zoom. We have all of these things so that we can connect to each other, but we all end up connecting each other with each other from our own little private spaces. And because we don't have common places anymore, sometimes we don't see each other except for right now. Add to that this little statistic, and it makes it even harder. The average member of a church only stays at that church for two to five years and comes less than twice a month. Wow. How do you foster deep abiding relationships like that? Our lives are so easily isolated, so easily fragmented. It's really hard. You know, back then, they lived on top of each other. Common places were natural. It just was. Today, we need to be a little bit more creative. We need to be way more intentional because it's easy for us to just sort of be on our own. We're good. I think common places are important. I think they're really important, and we're getting so close to being able to claim it as a common place again. If you have a common place, you've got a place where you belong. If you have a common place, you're surrounded with people you can love, whom you love. If you've got a common place, you've got a place where needs can be met. If you've got a common place, you've got a place where you can, where you can say with no sense of shame, oh, I lost my job. I don't know how in the world we're going to pay the bills. If you've got a common place, you've got a place where someone can say back to you, I got your back. I'm here for you. What do you need? Is there anything more important than common places? To have that kind of community? Finally, common possessions. I like this one. Verse 32, no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. A little later on in verse 34, there were no needy persons among them. Shared stuff? Shared stuff. Give as you can. Take as you need. I own nothing, together we own everything. What a radical concept that is. It sounds too idealistic though, doesn't it? Super idealistic. But it doesn't have to sound that way. It doesn't have to be that way. It just takes a small adjustment in our thinking. 
normally if we need something, what do we do? What do we do? Can I afford that? And if we can afford that, what do we do? We just go out and buy it. If I need something, I just go out and buy it. What if we lived differently? Like, what if our first thought was, oh, I need something? What if we went straight to our neighbors? Or what if we came to the church? What if we went to our small group and said, hey, anybody got this thing? I need to borrow it just for a little bit. Like this last, uh, this last winter, I, I, I couldn't start my snowblower. It's really hard. And I injured my arm trying to because I felt if I just pull hard enough, the thing is going to start, right? And uh, no, it's, my arm still hurts from it. I was trying really hard because I didn't want to have to ask anybody for help. And then I couldn't get the thing started, and so I thought to myself, I think we can afford a $500 thing right now. I think we can get a new snowblower, and I think it's time for us to do that, right? And then I thought to myself, and I know this guy. He knows a little bit about small engines and big engines because he's helped me with my car before too. So I called him up. He came over. It's like 30 below outside and starts working on my thing. Can't get it started. So what does he do? He takes it with him. And he's got this place where he can work on it. And he's got this, he's got someone else he knows. And lo and behold, they fix it. They spent a long time on it. And he brought it back. And now my snowblower works again. Saved me $500. Just like that. How generous is that? Why don't we do that more often? Shared possessions. Shared communal possessions. Right? It's a radically different way of living. Shared stuff. Give as you can. Take as you need. I don't own anything, but together we own everything we need and then some in abundance. Now, if you're listening to all of this and you're thinking to yourself, all that's too idealistic. We can't do that. A common purpose, okay. We can, we can live under that. A co- you know, shared common space, okay, shared possessions, I don't know, it's too idealistic, it's, it's too out there. We live in a world, listen, it, if you're thinking all of this can't happen, then I want you to think again. We live in a world where a resurrection happened. We live in a world where a resurrection happened. Everything is different now. All things are different. That one day in the history of creation changed absolutely everything. Jesus is loose in the world. Grace is loose in the world. If you look at verse 33, it says this. I love it. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. Much grace was upon them all. Much grace. The phrase in Greek is charis megale. Charis megale. What do those two words mean? Okay, we'll start with megale. It means large, big, much, huge. It's where we get our word mega. Are you with me? Mega. Charis means gift. It means grace. You put them together, you got mega grace. Mega grace. No matter the circumstances, if they're difficult or 
not, never forget. We've got mega grace, right? God is at work in the world, transforming everything, making all things new, making sure that everyone has what they need to live full, fruit-bearing, flourishing lives. And we get to work with God in that endeavor. And we will get it done. It will happen, because guess what? We got mega grace. It's available to us. All we have to do is live into it. Let's pray.